This morning we enter the great silence of quiet day. We have walked down a long corridor and opened a door out into a still place, a house. Silence is a house we enter, a building of stillness, of rest, of fullness. Silence, we say, is not simply the absence of speech. It is not even a discovery of quiet, that rare state in our noisy world. No, silence is better thought of as a structure, a dwelling place, a sanctuary that we must learn to enter. Perhaps you have heard on some retreats or recommendation for one that silence is a gift, a matchless one. And I certainly agree. But like some gifts, and unlike many others, silence is a demanding gift and can be a costly one as well. To enter the house of silence is to take up a Lenten discipline, perhaps the very hardest one, for we must learn from the very start how to enter a house that is so very strange to us, a house neither of sorrow nor of mirth, but rather the house of silence. We may not recognize at first how demanding such silence is. Surrounded by noise from the moment we wake to the moment at last we fall asleep, deaf to sound, we often long for it all to stop. How lovely it is when the refrigerator stops humming the faucet stops dripping, the dog next door stops barking its lonely cry. Perhaps we long for the day we no longer have to hear the phone ring or the car horn blare at us at the intersection. Perhaps if that music would just stop, even drop a decibel or two. How lovely to be left to our own thoughts, the sound of a page turning in a favorite book, the sole of a shoe scraping along a path we delight in but have not seen for many years. How wonderful to actually hear a bird call, the wind in a pine tree, the soft were of our thoughts as they move slowly for once over the deep things of God. How we imagine we long for all of this. And for a time, when giant snow has dropped its luscious whiteness everywhere, or when a fiery thunderstorm shuts down every appliance and every noise, we do love that silence.
we treasure it. But in truth, silence is a demanding taskmaster, a hard joy. We live surrounded by noise because in truth, we humans crave it. We cover ourselves with it and organize our very lives around it. It's not just the earphones and the radio booming in the car. It's the lush, velvety bath of sound that gives structure to our day, drawing us into the world of people and of things, telling us again and again, you are alive. You are in the midst of life. You hear and are heard. The House of Silence threatens all that. It is a Lenten discipline to enter such a house. Let me begin this hard lesson with the ascesis, the stripping away that announces and prepares for every kind of spiritual discipline. Silence over several hours, over a day, demands that we lay down the noise by which we protect and prod ourselves during our waking, our waking day. We all know this noise. It is the companion we choose over and again to join us on our daily round, to begin and end a day, and to fill a day with activity, with life, with sweet busyness. To enter the house of silence, we must strip ourselves of this familiar covering. Perhaps we begin each day with music or with conversation, a disjointed and deeply familiar back and forth over breakfast, or a phone call to someone dear, a quick snatch of a longer talk when time is not so short or with the morning sounds, the coffee, the kids, the dogs, the errands of the day. The car won't start, the call to the garage, the daycare isn't open, the meeting is postponed, the workday begins in turmoil. All this is the noise of the everyday, and we inhabit it like a town of our birth, easily, readily, even compulsively. To strip these things away is to see, no, to feel deep within that we are the creatures Job knew. Naked came I into the world, and naked will I leave. To enter this house, stripped bare of everything but silence, is to taste death, if but for a moment. For most of us here, and in time for all of us here, death will silence a voice dearly loved and prized. Never will we hear that voice on our earthly pilgrimage, but recall it only when grace permits by memory 
Augustine's storehouse of the mind. The tang of another person's voice, a beloved noise that breaks into loneliness, it cannot be replicated. There is no substitute for the particular cadence, the distinctive sound that is the voice of someone we love. Silence removes that voice from our ear, and it is a Lenten discipline because it speaks of that great silence that will still that voice and all voices when death enters our house. Silence is a stripping away, too, of the structure of a day. It, too, is a little death. We all need that structure, that busyness, that reminds us that others expect us this day, wait upon our arrival, look out the window and pass the curtain to see our coming into view. Noise is the sound of life, expected and full. It is distraction. We may imagine that our ancestors in the faith found silence a ready companion and were accustomed, as we are not, to deep stillness and quiet. But Blaise Pascal reminds us that the early moderns, too, loved their noisy distractions. Pascal's pensées record the human love affair with sound in a 17th century guise, the delightful noise from the royal court, the happy buzz of power, the cries of delight from dicing and cards, the foolish absorption in games and sport, the talk, talk, talk of busy, convivial lives. How well Pascal knew the human heart. His pensées arrest us because of their concreteness, their remarkable vividness and shrewd detail. He shows us noise in all its enticing familiarity. But he knows more than this, too. He knows that we keep ourselves wrapped, shrouded, really, in noise, because we long to be distracted from the truth of our lives, the truth of creaturehood before God. We long to avoid what silence alone can teach us, that we are broken reeds, bruised flax in scripture's telling, that we live but a season and a day, and we are vulnerable, frail, exposed to the sins and passions and cruelties that inescapably confront us. Silence is the house that greets us with this somber realism. When we enter into this dwelling place, we cannot avoid the truths about ourselves 
that noise fends off for us so well. We cannot arm ourselves with the busy errand, the noxious task, the sweet background music that stills that silence, breaks its truth before it reaches us. When we open the door to this quiet dwelling, we open the long corridor to ourselves. And that is a Lenten discipline all its own. It requires courage of us in this silent day. And the church, in its call to a holy Lent, bids us pray for the courage to examine ourselves in this silent room, to know ourselves in the pitiless stillness that is our life without distraction. Perhaps we wonder how to begin with such a demanding discipline. How in this silent day to begin that long walk into ourselves. We may all know the form of self-knowledge that comes from words. The Ignatian examine, where we ask ourselves analytic questions about our day. Or perhaps a more informal examination of conscience, where we note down those things we have done or left undone before Almighty God. Or perhaps in silence, we prepare a formal list that will guide a later confession where we reveal the deep truths about ourselves. These are all important disciplines for self-knowledge, and we will be enriched by using such verbal disciplines during a Holy Lent. But we can see right from the start that these traditional disciplines of self-examination are forms of conversation. They are interior dialogues where the words may not be spoken out loud, but they are definitely spoken. Such disciplines of interior speech represent what the scholastics called a mental word they are a silent colloquy. Such ideas hold a lofty place in the history of Christian doctrine. The development of Christology and Trinity are unthinkable without them. And they stand behind many of our richest notions about prayer. Interior conversation, we say, with God. But we search here for another form of self-examination, one born of silence and expressing it in its very essence. We seek that self-knowledge that is a sigh, too deep for words. How might this quiet day open that door? What would it mean to still that inner voice, the one that keeps talking, talking to us as the day unfolds and as we turn the light off at day's end.
How could we hear not a voice, but stillness? And how could that be a broad entrance into knowledge and intimacy with ourselves? Holy Scripture tells us how to begin. In silence my soul waits for God, the psalmist says, a silence that is akin to astonishment, to wordless awe when all conversation drops away. We wait for God, this psalm tells us, in a kind of stillness that is not absence, not a lack of any kind, but rather an overwhelming fullness, a hushed perfection. This is the kind of silence that steals over us when we stumble upon beauty and we must turn aside to gaze upon it. It is the silence that grows between intimates when words are no longer enough or when presence is more than words. This silence that is the waiting room for God dropped down over Job's friends as they found Job in his sorrow and pain, and they sat three days with their hands over their mouths, for no words could speak this grief and horror. Such an awe-filled silence greeted Elijah as he stood at the mouth of the cave, when every weapon in his prophecy had dropped away and his enemies pursued him still, and he feared for his life. Not in the fire or earthquake, not in the whirlwind, not yet was the presence of the Lord, but rather in this mystery, this voice that is silence. Like the heavenly realms that are a singing silence, so is Elijah's Lord, a silent word, a speechless speech, a communion in its fullness beyond every syllable. God was in that silence. He was that silent voice. And in silence we await him morning by morning. It is this silent discipline we seek, the stillness we long for. Of course, we cannot hope to enter into such a rich mystery through some technique. A spiritual discipline is not mechanical, much less a magical routine we take up, carry out perfectly, than rest in our assured results. There is nothing about self-knowledge and nothing about spiritual silence that can be mastered in this way. A spiritual discipline is much closer to an art form than it is to a blueprint. 
Of course, the skills and practice and repetition are vital. We could never play an instrument, write a sonnet, or paint a landscape without the routine disciplines that are the backbone of an art. But there is an elixir, too, a moment, unheralded perhaps and unforeseen, when technique drops away and the music begins. The art that lies beyond words lives in that silent moment, the effortless movement that becomes a whole life. It is this elixir we seek in our silence this day. We await it. We cannot force or manipulate it. It must be given given from above. So we might ask to enter this house of silence through practicing the wordless stillness that is quiet waiting. We might come to ourselves in such quietness. Perhaps we simply sit in the Lord's house, attending his altar. Perhaps we find a place of stillness, a comfortable chair, a bench in the quiet sunlight and wait. An image, a stab of color, a pool or stream, a simple wordless sound. Perhaps these will bring with them a quieting of that inner noise, the steady volume that makes our self-presence so dim, so alien to us. Perhaps we walk the labyrinth or a wooded path or wade into a sea of piano music. All these are disciplines of silence that bring us face to face with ourselves. We may fear what we see there, Perhaps shame or guilt or regret attend such a quiet vision. That is our spiritual prompt to seek out a godly priest, to take wisdom and correction and consolation from such a confessor, or to hear the words of absolution after every general confession. These are the tasks of words in a day given over to silence. But if the great silence is given to us, we may trust that something far deeper than regret or contrition awaits us. We may be given the very great gift of receiving ourselves back in that wordless quiet to simply be the creatures and children of God fashioned and made for our Creator. The house of silence may bestow upon us the rare awareness of our very life, the breath that is given to us for a season 
to live under the firmament God fixed above the earth and to be grateful. Self-knowledge in the house of silence may simply be this, to know inwardly that we are a creature and that we are known all the way through by our Creator. This is a sigh of prayer too deep for words. Above all, we are called this day to offer our whole lives as a silent prayer. The house of silence, after all, is a sanctuary, a tabernacle placed before the holy God. Prayer at its deepest pitch is silence before this silent God. We are so used to speaking before God, vocalizing our prayers and petitions, lamenting and praising and calling upon Almighty God, that we appear at times to forget that God also is worshiped in silence, in stillness, in perfect rest. The Lord God on the seventh day hallowed that perfect rest and named it Sabbath, a perpetual ordinance. Our quiet day is Sabbath-keeping in its pure form. In this way, we join the whole earth, which keeps silence when the Lord comes to his holy temple. And not simply the earth, but the whole heavenly realm keeps silence when the seventh seal is broken and when the Lamb's work is done and when all creation is brought to its redemption through the eternal Son. To be still and know that the Lord is God is to honor the Sabbath and the Lord of the Sabbath. But even more in our silence, we know the silent one, the Lord God who is the fullness, the complete unrepentant goodness, the changeless still ocean of reality. To enter the house of silence is to enter the presence of the holy God, the silent speech, the still voice. Seek him this day. Come before his presence. Come to yourselves by coming to him and find your rest in the good God, the one who is perfect peace. We began this day with a stripping, a shrivening. We now enter this house in fullness. We began with a little death. We dwell now with a God who is life itself. Come enter into this house of silence. 
for God alone, our souls in silence wait.